and then just celebrate everything. And it's really just a really nice way to lead yourself and lead teams. I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my 9 to 5 job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rollo, and this is Lead with Impact. Hi there, and welcome to Lead with Impact. This is Brian, and I am super excited to have you with me today. In today's episode, we are going to be speaking to talent, culture, and performance leader, Miranda Von Fricken. Miranda has led multiple teams to success in the fields of technology, higher education, sales, and human resources. And after almost 15 years in the corporate environment, she now travels the United States, connecting with coaching and speaking to those looking to uplevel their life, careers, and business. And as a member of the Forbes Coaching Council, the leader of multiple mastermind groups and motivational speaker, Miranda has contributed to numerous books, blogs, and podcasts to support her passions and mission. And today we are going to be talking about self-leadership, or as she likes to call it, selfie leadership. We're going to find out just what that is, selfie leadership. So. I'm looking forward to that conversation. Before we launch into it, let me just take a moment to thank you for being a listener of Lead With Impact, whether it's your first time or you've been listening for all 80 plus episodes. I appreciate having you here. And if you found us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio or Spotify or any of the other major podcast providers, If you could take a moment to subscribe, follow, rate, review, that would be really, really helpful. So, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. And without any further ado, let's jump in and talk to Miranda Von Fricken. Miranda, welcome to Lead with Impact. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Thanks, Brian. I'm so excited to be here. I would love to start out the conversation with you telling me and our audience what you do to help people. So I do all the things, right, as a life and career coach, but really at the heart of what I do is to help women uncover their calling and their gifts, the reason they're here. I'm going to get deep for a second, but, but really that's what it is. Like, why did God put you on this earth? Right? Why are you here? What are your special gifts? How can you express them to the world and help create a positive change? Um, For me, it's all about helping women to remove the veil, right? To remove any of the limiting beliefs, remove any of the things they were taught previously that, that don't serve them. It's not authentic to themselves to really live the life they're meant to live. And that's kind of in a nutshell, what I try to do with everybody I work with. So how did you get here? What was, what was the journey? How did this version of Miranda come to be on this podcast with me? Well, I was born on a cold, rainy day. No, I'm totally kidding. Um, for me, it was, it was 
almost very transparent when you look back. It was like, you know, when you like take an audit of your life and you're like, hmm, I totally see how I got where I am today. Some people say like, I don't know how I got here. I just kind of hopped from one thing to the next. And I used to feel that way until I started teaching a class, helping students find their best career fit. And I did it for myself and kind of did an audit of my life and realized I was exactly where I was meant to be based on my experience that, that I had been led to. Um, up until I was 16, I was a child actor and a model and I did beauty pageants and I went back and forth between here and New York City. And so that really taught me a lot of things, right? Definitely the self-leadership as a, at a young age. Um, but it taught me a lot about patience and persistence and poise. They called it, um, they called it being polite back then, but really it was about being professional, right? If you think about it, now we call it professional. As a child, you call it being polite. Um, so I learned a lot very early on and that I think has taken me to where I am today. Um, went to high school. Eventually, you know, the, uh, the pageant thing wasn't my jam. I wanted to play baseball. <laughs> with the boys. Um, so I became, you know, the complete opposite tomboy and played sports. And after high school, went to college, wanted to be Barbara Walters. So I got a degree in communications, went to Manhattan, worked at MTV, which I know Barbara did not start at MTV, but I'm a little sassier and a little different. So worked at MTV and launched Logo, their, um, a new television station they were coming out with. Um, but from there, I, I was doing auditions. I wanted to be Britney Spears when I grew up. That was like my whole thing. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't become her. Minus but, the trauma, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, with keeping my hair too, of course. But um, <laughs> I wanted to, because of my growing up experience in front of the camera and being on stage, that was what I thought would be my next step. And, you know, sometimes growing up and you, and you realize that's not going to happen, it starts to mess with your identity a little bit. Um, and of course, I had those moments growing up in my career, like, why am I in HR? I'm supposed to be Britney Spears. Like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> right. But honestly, like all of that led me to where I am today, you know, as a career coach, as a life coach, I'm still on stages. I was on stage with you, you know, so obviously, you know, we still do the things we're called to do, but sometimes it just looks a little different than what we thought as a youngin. Um, I came home from Manhattan. I was a DJ on a, ra a local radio station. So I still had that like taste of celebrityness, I guess a little bit. Um, but really when it came down to it, I just wanted to help others figure out why they were here. I think because I wanted to figure out why I was here, right? So that's kind of like, if you want, if you want something that's missing in your life, you got to give it to someone else, right? So that's kind of, I think how I, I did fall into coaching through a recruiting job that I had when I came home from Manhattan. I was a DJ and I became a recruiter for an agency. And from there, I started speaking at colleges, helping people find their best career fit. I then worked in higher education as a career director. Um, but in order to help people really find their best career fit, you really got to dig into their life, right? And their limiting beliefs and what they were told they could be growing up. So I learned a lot more about life coaching. Um, I got a life coach certification. I got my master's in motivation and life fulfillment um, through Empire State College, where I studied how people tick, right? Neurolinguistic programming, sociology, psychology. I studied all the things to really learn about people and, and how they can get to, from where they are today to where they actually want to be and where they're meant to be. And that's what I do today still. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I tried to condense it as much as I could. <laughs> well, I, I loved every second of that, but I have to go back a little bit because mm -hmm. I don't get too many former child actors on the podcast. <laughs> So, like, 
there is a cliche that goes with that, obviously, right? Of the child actor and the tortured yeah. adult life. So uh, what was that like? I mean, can you tell me that like that experience and maybe yeah. a little bit more like, I think you told me how it affected your adult life, but I would just like to, I guess, hear a little bit more about that. Of course. So my mom was a nurse. So she, obviously the flexibility in her schedule, work a couple of days, take off the rest of the week kind of thing, kind of allowed us to travel, which was nice. My mother had me very young. She had me at 17. So she and I still had, well, I was a kid, but she still had this like mentality of being free, right? So being young and, and exploring the world. And we just did it together, which was kind of cool. And by the world, I mean like New Jersey. We really didn't go far. <laughs> <laughs> we were still poor, very poor growing up. Um, but we had apartments in the city with like five other families who did this. I, my mom was a single mom. There was other single moms bringing their kids to auditions. So we had an apartment here. And then we had an apartment in the city too. Um, and we would go to like, I auditioned for Punky Brewster sneakers. I auditioned, I mean, was a Fruit Loop commercials. I did a lot of print work. Um, I did a lot of commercials and print work. I mean, I auditioned for soap operas, which was kind of cool back in the day. They always needed like a kid in the audience or in the, in the backdrop and stuff. So that, that gave me like the taste for what like I thought I wanted in life, which is really, it was really cool. It gave me a lot of freedom. I got to express myself. Clearly I'm not shy. So that was, you know, obviously like an industry that my mom thought would be great for me. Um, and it's funny, she really isn't like that. Like I couldn't see her like doing all these things, but she must have sensed it in me. I must have like always performed on stage at home or something and that made her think like, all right, let's try this. It always starts locally. Uh, in 1996, I was Miss Uncle Sam. <laughs> I'm from Troy, so I was Miss Uncle Sam. And, you know, I, I did a lot of beauty pageants. I actually at one point wanted to start my own um, beauty pageant, uh, which, which I thought would be cool. I'd spin it into more of like, instead of bathing suits, swimwear, it'd be more about the speeches and the community service and stuff like that. Um, just because I know what it did for me. Sitting in front of a panel of adults and telling them how I'm gonna change the world at seven years old <laughs> really helps you to articulate your goals as an adult. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's that was the coolest part. Back then, like for me, the coolest part was winning the big trophies and the crown. And there was a car at once that you won if you won like the ultimate um, grand overall, then you got a car and you got trips and stuff like that. So to me, that was like the motivating um, force behind it, like getting on stage, dressing up as a princess, like that stuff is awesome for a kid. Um, I, I never remember being scared. My mom would probably say the same thing. Like almost how Beyonce describes herself as Beyonce. And then on stage, she's Sasha Fierce. Like I didn't have a name, but I probably could have given myself a name. I, I became a totally different person. Although I wasn't shy normally, but getting on stage, all of a sudden, like it was performance Miranda, you know? So um, I think that's exactly how I am today too. Like right before this, I was running around the house. I'm sweating. I look crazy. I get on a Zoom with you. My hair is fluffed and I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> that is a skill set right there. I mean, absolutely. It's like camera ready. Let's go. You know, so uh, that that was my my childhood for many years, and I loved it. This is a topic that has never been discussed on this podcast before, but <laughs> I am just curious. So I want to ask you more about it. Mm -hmm. I know there's a school of thought that I like child acting, but the uh, child pageants yeah. are are damaging to kids, and it sounds like you don't think so so i was in the 80s right so i feel like maybe back then it was less aggressive than it is 
after that. Maybe it got a little worse. Like I watched Honey Boo Boo. That crap is crazy. I didn't wear false eyelashes. Like I had sparkles on my face and my hair was aquanetic to the gills. You know, like I had, you know, the big hair, the closer to God kind of mentality too. But um, it was great for me. I had tons of friends. Like I actually still have contact with, on Facebook with some of these girls that I did pageants with. And I loved it back then. For me, it was about the friendships. It was about performing because that's what I loved. Um, I don't remember hearing anybody, at least in my circle, that had a really negative experience with it. Um, so much so that a woman I worked with a few years later as an adult, obviously, um, wrote a paper about my experience and how being a pageant girl or whatever she called it, you know, helped me in corporate America because of my ability to interview, my ability to speak eloquently on stages or, you know, perform PowerPoint presentations to sales leaders and teams. And I think for me, it worked out very well. And I, I do hear some of the negativity, but really that comes, that's the parents problem. Like that's the parents that want to compete in pageants that couldn't. Those are the parents who wanted to be famous and couldn't. I can see that happening. Like if my daughter did pageants, I'd be like, come on girl, fluff your hair. And she'd be like, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more about the, the parents and, and their temperament and their goals than it is, you know, it does, it can ruin the kid, obviously, if the kid doesn't want to, but the difference is I really want it to. So I think that's maybe the separation. And could it go back into what you were talking about earlier, that you know, the psychological and mental and emotional clash sometimes that happens for a child who may not, might not maybe be sophisticated enough to know that the rest of their life isn't going to be like this, right. and then transitioning to adult life where for probably many of them the adult life isn't like that so that's that is probably one of the negative downfalls that i had was i remember so after i said I'm, i went out i want to go play baseball my mom sat me down and we had a really nice conversation about you know if you you can do both but it won't be as extensive and once i got you know more into cheerleading and my friends as a teenager that all kind of went away then I got a taste for it again and I did a little local pageant. But when I got in my early 20s, I did a lot of auditions. I started singing, which wasn't my talent, quote unquote, back then. It was Comedy Paramine. <laughs> I did a Comedy Paramine dance to little girls from Annie. It was crazy. Like I got it on VHS, you would die. Um, but so for me, like my talent became singing and I still sing to this day, but um, I would go to a lot of auditions and I, I wouldn't win anything. But back in the pageant days, I won everything like people used to like protest if I was in the pageant because I, I literally won all the things back then and now I wasn't winning anything and I was like what is happening so I really lost that that confidence I had as a pageant girl into my 20s and you know it, it took a little bit of a toll on me I was really confused like why I wasn't winning all the things and you know it, it took some self-leadership which obviously became my jam um, to realize it was just a, a whole different world now like as an adult in my 20s it was totally different than when I was 10 13 14 doing pageants so it can mess with your identity especially I wasn't like big I wasn't like you know, on TV, I didn't go to California, like some of these kids on the Mickey Mouse Club, but like them, a lot of them, like they had all the things and then it, then they had nothing, you know, so for the, it wasn't going to be my ultimate thing. I think once I came home and decided to do regular high school and play baseball and cheerlead, I think at that point, I just wanted to be that. So I think I got lucky in the middle where I was allowed to just be a kid where some of them aren't, you know. Right. Thank you for sharing that. That's Of course. Fascinating. Well, let's transition into something okay. that you're doing now. I know you talk a lot about self-leadership. You know I'm a leadership guy. I sure do. 
but I want to hear your take. And I've even heard and seen you use the phrase selfie leadership, but I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. So let me have it. What's that, what's that mean? What's that all about? So selfie leadership is really just a cute little play on words for self-leadership. But when I do keynotes on self-leadership, um, I make people take selfies because think about it. It is, why do we take selfies, right? It, it's to document a transformation or to document something we're celebrating. We want to remember, right? So that has a lot to do with what I talk about during self-leadership, the transformation, documentation, celebration of ourselves. Um, so we take a selfie in the beginning of this keynote and everybody's like smiling, this is weird, why am I doing this? <laughs> and by the end, they're all like group selfies, they're loving it, having a great time. It's really just to bring a little bit of entertainment and fun to a topic that can be a little stressful because when we talk self-leadership, we're gonna start looking at some of our faults and some of our issues that maybe aren't working, maybe the way we fuel our body or the way we communicate with people or we surround ourselves with the negative people. So when we talk about leading ourselves, it, it's not always like this happy-go-lucky topic. It, it does become happy, but there are some like, you know, deeper rooted issues we got to touch on. So I, I bring the selfie part in to just make it fun and to have a really good time and make it a little more lighthearted. Um, but the selfie part is really just about the transformation and, and documenting the growth within. I love that because I've had two conversations in the past few days with experts in different fields that both told me the key to their success in getting people to transform is to ease them into it. And if you go right for the heavy stuff right away, mm -hmm. it just bounces off the walls. Yeah, it was like, tell me how your father loved you. And they're like, ah! <laughs> but you can't come in hot like that, right? So for me, I mean, I'm very silly. I'm, I'm very lighthearted. I wear hot pink usually. So for me, it's, I'm already appearance wise and aesthetically, I'm coming in looking very fun. Right. Um, but it's a, it's a sensitive topic. So I like to kind of integrate the fun with the sensitivity and the title of my presentation is called leadership, but first selfie. So obviously it's about leadership and you can't lead teams, projects, companies without leading yourself first. Let's be completely honest there, right? Like if you're a hot mess on the inside and you want to go lead a fortune 500 company, it's going to struggle. It's not going to be 500 for long, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> so it, I make it fun because I want them to come in already feeling like selfie. That's, that's going to be silly. Like, first of all, a lot of them come in thinking like, who is this? bubbly blonde chick trying to teach me something right which is hilarious because then like you know i do and it's great um but the selfie part a lot of people are excited about because they don't you don't see a lot of titles with the word selfie in it <laughs> and you know what a selfie is it's fun it's you know like you and your friends that's kind of how you think of a selfie um but you don't really put that together at leadership until i do that for them a lot of leadership coaches whether it's traditional corporate leadership or even the self-leadership I'm going to say this kindly and I'll throw myself in, under the bus a little bit here because you're, you're pointing it out very well, might tend to take ourselves a little bit seriously. And it is a serious topic. It, so is, I it, it is, is, but I love your approach and uh, you know, being warm and drawing people in because if you don't, no matter if you have the best content in the world, it's useless. Yeah. It's all in the delivery. I feel like a lot of the times. Yeah, exactly. I love it. <laughs> now you were mentioning some steps there. You ran through them real quickly, yeah. but could you sort of uh, go through those again and maybe give us of a course. little bit on each one? 
yeah, I got I got my three tips for you in self leadership, selfie leadership. Here we go. We Fantastic. should take a selfie though. Like we'll take a selfie after, so it, there's not a, a a quiet moment in your in your episode here. But we'll take a <laughs> selfie after. <laughs> all, all right. right so my my whole thought is self leadership is foundation for all leadership, right? That's kind of like the premise of all of this. And you can't lead what you don't know. So that's kind of step one is doing a self audit, right? I love me some audits. I mean, I'm a creative, but I love to dive in and dissect. I probably should have been a scientist, right? So self audit your day, your energy, the work you do. Let's just take a complete inventory of, of who we think we are today, what we do, how we present ourselves to the world, to our families, um, and to the workplace. So we do a, you can't lead what you don't know is step one. And that to, the activity to get into that is a big life audit. Um, I did this for myself years ago. I felt very stuck, very blah, very like groundhog day in my nine to five life and my home life. I was like, if I cook chicken one more friggin' time, you know what I mean? Like, so <laughs> I was having a really hard time with the everyday of my life. And I started with a self audit and I realized during that audit, I did it for a week straight every day when I did, I woke up, blah, 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 I did this, did that. And it was, gosh, it was so similar. A couple things were different here and there. Like I had a salad versus a wrap, but it really was kind of similar, especially Monday through Friday. And when I said, this has got to change because I'm just bored with myself and that's no way to live. The first thing I realized on top of that, that audit list was I hit the snooze button every day for like eight times, which is like 72 minutes or some shit. It's crazy. <laughs> so I, I started from the top. So that's usually what I teach people, whether it's in a keynote or, or group coaching or one-on-ones, it's let's audit your life and start from the top. Not everybody hits snooze, but honestly, I'd say like 90% of people hit snooze. But let's start at the top. I know you do. He's raising his hand for those of you who can't see. <laughs> so anyway, you can't leave what you don't know. So we start with an, a selfie audit. Um, what are your values, your priorities? What motivates you? What blocks do you think you have? Your skills and talents, stuff like that. Um, and then once you fully understand, right, who you are and what's going on, you have the ability and the power to make changes to your own life. So can you walk me through that when you say self-audit? Yeah. What does that really mean? Does that mean I carry my notebook around with me all day and write down everything I do? Sure does. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, tech, let's be honest, right? You're not going to, oh, I went to the bathroom. Oh, I got a cup of coffee. Like maybe every hour or every three hours, you just recall what you did in the past couple of hours and you write it down. But even if you do it for three days, it's not that, it's not that annoying. And let's be honest, the first three days of any like new thing is exciting. <laughs> All right, right, any new diet, you're usually good for three days or whatever. So that's you usually you can last three days of writing down what you do, but you can't do it like you could do it on a lunch break. You can do it when you first get to, usually the first get to work is when you write down what you did at home. The lunch break is what you did the first half of your day. The 15 minutes before you leave work, you're probably not doing much. So you're going to do the second half of the day in the journal. Um, and then when you get home before bed, you do what you did at home. So that's usually how you can break it up without it consuming your whole day. Um, and then you, we just, we don't look at it till like the third or fourth day. Don't even look at it. Just keep writing, keep writing. Nothing is wrong. Everything you're doing is perfect. Just keep doing it. Cause I don't want people to be like, shit, I wrote snooze twice. I can't snooze tomorrow. I'm like, no, do what you would normally do. It's okay. We just, this is how we're going to find our truth. Right. So yeah, that's, that's what that looks like. Amazing. So what's the next step after the self audit? So after the self audit, I like to call it mindful energy, right? So we've got the clarity from the knowing your selfie part and then the expression part is the, the next kind of step like how do we mindfully um take 
awareness of, of the energy we're putting out to the world. So it's expression, really, right? I just love the term mindful energy. I created it myself. I love it. <laughs> I do too. It's really, so think about what the word mindful means is just being aware. And then energy, like our energy exchange is different than maybe when I go talk to my daughter lady later, or if I talk to uh, an employee at work, it's, it's a different exchange of energy. And that can really make or break a conversation, a team culture, um, a home environment, a marriage, you know? So, I mean, the energy really, you have to be mindful of your energy. You can't control others, right? So that's why it's not being mindful of all the energies. It's just your own. So the, we're all energy, right? So especially us in our personality and the way we speak to people. Um, I joke about my husband because he has resting boy face, <laughs> but like he's got a lot of heart and a lot of passion and he'll explain something um, that he's really excited about, but look like he's about to throw punch somebody. <laughs> and he does this like in job meetings and interviews and it's hilarious. And I'm like, can you, can you throw somebody a smile? Right. Because that smile would give a different message behind what he's saying versus the face. Right. So when you walk into a room, people look at you, what's the energy that you're bringing to that room? What's the energy you're bringing to your desk? Right. What are you bringing, you know, energy wise that other people are maybe taking in because they are taking in your energy, whether you know it or not. So it's being very mindful of that. Um, and the activity around that is anytime you I call it the threshold theory. When you cross a threshold, um, a doorway, obviously, whether it's from your living room to your kitchen, you're bringing a different energy living room. I'm chilling, relaxing, whatever kitchen. I'm about to eat something right? So it's like a higher energy. <laughs> do the same thing at work or do the same thing in relationships. If you're going from your desk to your boss's desk, you should bring a different energy and be very mindful of what it is you're bringing to that conversation, to that room. Or if you're the boss and you're about to let someone go or something, what is, what is your energy in your office? It's probably a little high anxiety, a little stressful, right? Maybe a little guilt. Don't bring that shit to, your, to the person you're about to lay off because that's bad bring a different energy to him or her. Um, so you have to prepare your energy, be mindful of it, prepare it for the future step you're about to take. Um, and I do that through thresholds. That's how I remind myself when I walk through a doorway, I'm going into a different environment. What am I bringing with me? That's intriguing because it is so easy to lose objectivity and to not even think about that. That's a whole other topic that we could, <laughs> we could go episode. on. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I love those discussions as well. So be aware of your mindful energy. Uh, what's next? The third one I have is celebrating all the wins. I, I love me a good party, especially a self party. Ain't no party like a self party. Let me tell you. <laughs> you play some music, you're dancing. Think about all the things we do throughout our day that become mundane, everyday things that we overlook that we don't celebrate. Like we don't celebrate our feet hitting the floor. Most of us don't. I mean, I am like, woo, I'm here, here I am, you know? God did it again. <laughs> so if you start to celebrate all the little wins that, that you bring to your day, to your life, to your team, your project, whatever, that will gain momentum. You'll gain confidence. People will start to believe that you can really lead them to a next level because not only are you in tune and clear of yourself, you've got the conviction through the expression, they believe you and you celebrate all the wins, yours and theirs, but mostly yours, because let's be honest, it's a selfie leadership. Um, then I feel like people will question you less 
your leadership, your decisions, you'll question yourself less because you're, you're celebrating yourself throughout the day and throughout the project or the, whatever you're leading. Um, honestly, celebration is just an expression of gratitude if we, if we break that down, right? So you're saying like, I'm grateful my feet hit the floor. I'm grateful my car started today. And this can get silly doing this as all day, three days straight, but I, that's a part of like the activities that I, I give to people. Like write down all the things you're grateful for. I want 10 things a day, which is not hard. Oh my gosh, I can get 10 things between my bedroom and my bathroom that I'm grateful for. It can't just be like I have two arms and my eyeballs work. Like it has to be like, things you wouldn't even think of. Like I got the green light woohoo! or man, my parking spot was available. Like you've got to celebrate even the littlest things and think about what that's going to do to your energy. Right. right? And from, yeah. And then it, it, you're going to learn that you're awesome. You're better than you thought. Your confidence is going to soar. Your leadership ability is going to soar. And you're going to give that to everybody on your team or whoever you work with. And then they're going to do the same and everything's just going to be better. It's all about just being better, happier, and more engaged in what we do. And those are the three ways we do it. Know who you are, gain that clarity, express it the right way, be very mindful of the energy you have and you bring, and then just celebrate everything. And it's really just a really nice way to lead yourself and lead teams. I love that. Thanks. And it brings me back to NLP. I'm not, mm. I'm, a, I'm a layman in my understanding of NLP, <laughs> but I am familiar with, uh, what is it, the uh, reticular activating system, something along those lines where... Yep. Like we keep bringing back to ourselves what we focus on. Like that. Absolutely. And so it's easy for us to beat ourselves up and to keep reminding ourselves of where things didn't go as well as we would have liked them to. Absolutely. So that's why I love your, you know, advice about being really conscientious about always bringing the wins, no matter how small, right. back to ourselves. I do that with my kids too. Like, so I mean, obviously I'm a leader of my children and when my daughter gets down on herself, cause she's got her dad's mindset, not mine yet. I'm trying to ingrain the happiness into her. But like when I tell her, she thinks she gets down on herself or whatever she gets down on herself or as an eight year old little girl, I remind her of all the awesomeness that she did so far throughout the day. And she's like, Oh, I didn't think of that. Of course you didn't think of that. Cause nobody's been telling you your whole life. You don't think, which is funny. You think kids would celebrate all the things, right? But they celebrate what they're about to get, not what they've already done. So children are a little different. Um, where adults, we, we've got the ability to look back to analyze, but usually it's in a negative way. If we right. can look back and find all the good, bring it to our present, take it to our future, we then continue to celebrate the wins. But really when it comes down to it, it's the consistent action, right? So it's about consistently applying these things. You can just say, oh, I'm going to be happy all day and be grateful. Doesn't mean you're gonna, you have to like really make it a practice. And there will be, just like any new habit, there will be bumps in the road, I'm assuming. And there will be things that appear that maybe distract us or maybe even discourage us. I'm assuming from repeating the process. As long as you're a human, yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> right. if you got robots listening, probably not. But yes. Yeah, we're human. We got to give ourselves some grace. God does. Why can't we give it to ourselves, right? We're going to slip and fall. If you're on keto and you see a, a, a burger with a bun, you're going to take a bite maybe because it's in your face. Like we are human. We, But that's how we learn and that's how we grow. Like mm. we want to make mistakes. If we didn't make the mistakes, we wouldn't grow. So we would just be kind of flat and the same person all day, every day. I like mistakes. Celebrate them. Yeah. Why not? One more exactly. thing to celebrate. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, I go back to this theory 
that as humans, our brains are built to survive, not thrive, yeah. right? So Absolutely. their job, it, the brain's job, it thinks, is to scan any potential danger and make sure we know about it and scan any potential failure and make sure we know about it so we don't do it again. So to me, that's part of the reason why it's so easy for us to keep sending ourselves all these flashing red light, danger, danger, danger yeah. messages. Danger, that, Will Robinson. <laughs> right, exactly. That might, you know, might be the smallest thing, but the brain can send yeah. it to us like it's, you know, the tiger hiding behind the bush ready to pounce on us. <laughs> Well, that's why we can't just think with our brains. We have to use our heart and our soul as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I coach people in a very holistic manner. It's not just what's the logistic response to the situation. No, what does your heart say? What does your gut say? What, what pray on it, meditate. What do you hear? What do you, what are you feeling? Like you have to make decisions with your whole being, not just your brain sometimes. And I know that takes a lot longer, right? Like your brain says, do this right now. And sometimes fight or flight. Yeah, absolutely. Like run, there's a bear. Right. <laughs> You're not thinking, what does my heart feel about this bear? <laughs> your heart wants to be ripped out, girl, run. <laughs> so I get that. But in a lot of these leadership conversations, we're leading teams, we're leading other humans with other emotions that may not mirror ours. So you have to think from a whole body experience and you have to allow them to do the same too. And that goes to something I talk to leaders all about or all the time when I coach them. Uh, we all know that, let's take what you're talking about and apply it to a group setting, an office setting. Back in the days when people used to actually congregate in offices. Uh, so, but it, the same could apply to a virtual group, as you know, from doing your, um, your LinkedIn local program. Yeah. When somebody, when one person comes in with negative energy, everybody feels it. Yes. Absolutely. Sure takes yeah. one. We've all been there where you sort of come to work happy and ready to go. And maybe three of you are, but, you know, Eeyore comes dragging themselves in, <laughs> right? And it just sucks yeah. the energy out of the room. Yeah. And so, A, I think that's why it's important to be able to intentionally maneuver yourself out of that, like using the process that you just outlined. And B, the power of Eeyore only becomes magnified if they become a leader. Of course. So I've seen many times where, you know, somebody might make a little joke or a little comment to a coworker or a colleague, or maybe just share some energy and they sort of laugh it off between them. But if that person all of a sudden becomes in a leadership role and makes that same comment, it can be like a knife to the heart. Yeah. You know, if you're working with a coworker and you make a little joke about maybe they're what they're wearing today and how it clashes, you know, as friends, that's one thing. Right. As a leader, that could be devastating to someone. Absolutely. And as long as it comes with a budget for a new wardrobe, I'd be cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> It's but don't judge me. It's just an example. I guess it's a, a, a convoluted way of saying yes. everything you're saying applies for every single person listening. Yeah. But it just takes on so much more weight for those of us that are listening. And I know a lot of the, my audience is listening and in leadership positions. And it becomes well, that leadership much more comes important. with authority, right? Like, so you have authority over people, essentially. And that's why it takes that different level. So if, if my coworker is telling me like, oh man, you, you messed up on that. Like you spelled something wrong. There was mistakes all over this document. I'd be like, oh crap, thanks for finding it. And my boss comes to me, all of a sudden I'm thinking I'm going to get fired or I'm going to get written up or I just ruined the project. Oh my God, like what does that mean for me? Right. It's like all of a sudden it takes that a whole different level. But 
how they communicate those mistakes can really make or break a lot, you know, someone's whole career. And the leader is the avatar, right? Mm-hmm. Consciously or subconsciously, you're saying to everyone on the team, this is who you should be like. Right. And when that person comes in with low energy or a self-defeating mindset, it's just going to spread like wildfire. Well, hopefully people are hiring awesome people to look up to. The problem is in leadership. And so I worked in leadership for years, right? So I've been a director of things since too long. So (laughs) for 15, 20 years now, and it just more recently, it's just been me. So I I have a lot of this experience. and, And what I've found is that sometimes leaders, I think we've talked about this before over coffee, leaders just take the next step because they do good work. They're doing their current job very well. So it seems logical that this dude's going to become the next manager because he does the work better than his coworkers. That does not mean he should be leading these people. And I think sometimes we don't take enough time to really evaluate the leadership that this person's going to bring to the rest of the team. And that, that is where things really get ugly in companies. Or we don't coach them once they get there. Well, that, oh, that's, we know they don't. We know, <laughs> right. <laughs> to be honest, we know very, if you're an internal promotion type person, the odds of you getting leadership is, is much smaller than if you come in as an outsider. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. This has been fascinating. I appreciate you sharing this with me, with me because this is a really actionable process that I think our leaders can, or our listeners and our leaders can implement. If you had to create an impact statement, you know, one or two phrases that you would put out to the world that your message went to everyone and this was what Miranda was all about, what would it be? Hmm. Ready to put me on the spot, brother? <laughs> no, I would say um, I would really put my why into that, right? Because people are going to believe things if I believe it. So I believe that we were all put here to reveal and express who we truly are, who we were made to be, um, to help others do the same as well, um, to live out their calling, whatever it may be. We're here to lift each other up um, and, and removing any of the blocks for each other. I think if we help each other rise to who we're meant to be by doing it ourselves, right? Like acting as um, these examples for everybody, our world will be exactly what it was meant to be. And I think we, it starts with us inside. That's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> so you promised without cons- without consulting with me, I might add. You promised that, <laughs> that, a selfie? that you you I think you said you would take a selfie. I don't know. Oh, I'll take a selfie right now. You know me, cheese. All right, there you go. In fact, and I'll I'm do- taking one here too. One of the of the Zoom call. Cheese. All right, perfect. Fluff your hair. <laughs> so I tell everybody on LinkedIn local, I, I joke and say, all right, I'm taking your picture, everybody. Fluff your hair. And then you got the ball guys that are like, mm, let me shine up my scalp. That's right. <laughs> all right. So, yes, if you're listening, we can go to Miranda's LinkedIn timeline. I'm sure you'll be able to find this selfie yeah. that, that she just uh, <laughs> she just bullied me into taking. So with her energetic personality. So I want to thank you so much for being here. Where can people find you? Suppose somebody's listening to this and they say, I like this Miranda girl. I need to learn more. I want to talk to her. How can they do that? So I'm on all the socials, but I live on LinkedIn. Like literally that's my address is LinkedIn drive. (laughs) 
LinkedIn drive, right? New York, New York. So for me, you're going to find me on LinkedIn, Miranda Von Fricken. But then I also have a mastermind coach page on uh, Facebook. And then I have an Instagram, which is mastermind coach Miranda. I actually have a podcast too with my biz bestie. I don't talk a lot about it because it's still very new. I should probably talk more, but um, it's called biz besties. It's myself and Jody Kenny. We talk about business and collaboration and how we go further together. Um, but find me on LinkedIn. I've got a website, MirandaVonFrickin.com, but LinkedIn is where you're going to find me most active. Fantastic. Thank you, Miranda. Uh, it has been a pleasure and uh, I look forward to talking again. Thanks, Brian. Thank you.